Open your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. The last several weeks, we've been looking at... We looked at what to do with an impossible situation. Last week, we looked at that subject again. And this week, I think is where a lot of us could say that we have been. Have you ever been in a bad situation... And then you made it worse. <laughs> Has that ever happened? You know, you try to fix something and you make it, you just make it worse. And of course, I have done that so many times in my life. And in Mark chapter 6, it's interesting, the disciples, Jesus sends the disciples and they get out on the sea and a big storm comes up and the disciples think they're going to die. They're scared to death. And we're going to learn some lessons from that this morning. So why don't we go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. And I am very thankful that uh, we get to look at it today. And what you have provided for us in your word about this experience that the disciples had and then your deliverance of them. Lord, I pray that we can learn some things from it. And Lord, I know that there are people that are in trouble right now. And uh, some folks will be going into trouble. Some are coming out of it. Lord, I think that the lessons from this text will help us all wherever we are. And so, Father, I pray that you're glorified by it and that this is helpful for your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever been in a situation you wonder, does God know what I'm going through right now? This question is in the Bible, but where is God? You're in this trouble and you're thinking, wait a minute, I love God and I'm serving God. Why in the world am I going through trouble right now? So let's start reading. In Mark chapter 6, let's look at verse 45. Mark 6, verse 45. And straightway, now straightway is a word that is in the gospel of Mark often. Mark is a very short book, and there's a lot of action in it. So, and straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida, while he sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea and alone on the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. And when, he, and when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled, and immediately he talked with them, and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. What an amazing story. And I, I love it. But one of the things about this story that I love is that they thought that they were alone. They thought that they were in trouble. And the interesting thing about this text is that this account is a biblical example of 1 Corinthians 10.13. So keep your place here in Mark and go to 1 Corinthians 10.13. I think I've told you before, anytime I see this verse, this was the first verse that my father memorized as a young Christian. He got saved as a senior in high school. So all you high schoolers, Here's what happened. He, he had this friend, Bob Lee, 
who would walk, who would drive up outside of his house every Sunday morning and honk the horn and yell out the window, Bob, you coming to church? You coming to church? Finally, dad came walking out the door on a Sunday morning, went to church with his friend Bob. They ran track together. And dad got saved that day. And so I have three sisters and one brother. There are, I think, seven, 16 or 17 grandkids in the family. All of us are saved. Uh, our lives are completely different because a guy that my dad ran track with invited him to church. Don't you guys ever, don't ever think that your invitation of a friend to church or your giving the fr- a friend the gospel is a small thing. It's amazing what God does with it. How many of you got saved when you were in high school? Did you raise your hands? You got saved. Everybody look at you, young people, look back here. Got saved in high school. So don't forget that your friends need the Lord. But anyway, this 1 Corinthians 10, 13, this is explained in the Gospel of Mark. So look at verse 13. There hath no temptation taken you, so that comes upon you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation... Also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. So if you're a Christian, is anybody here that's saved? Are you saved? You know the Lord is your Savior? If you're a Christian and something comes into your life, you can never say this, I can't take it. Because there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Is God faithful? And the Bible says He won't suffer. He won't let this come into your life. He won't suffer you to be tempted. Above that, you're able. So I've said it. I can't take anymore. Usually it had something to do with the kids. But I can't, I can't take this anymore. We, I remember one time uh, we had this. My dad was starting a church in Connecticut, and there were some families that we got real close to. And Rusty Korb was my brother's age, and they were good friends. Rusty came walking into the house one day. He said, hi, Mrs. Alter. What are you, what, how are you doing? And I'll never forget this. She said, I'm about to kill some kids. And I think she was serious, so we all hid. Right? <laughs> it, have you ever gone to where you say, I don't know if I can take this anymore? You can. And the disciples, they were at a place where they were saying, I don't know if we can take this. So now, look, keep your place in Mark 6, but go with me to John chapter 6. So this is the parallel account. In other words, Mark tells the story and so does John. So John chapter 6, and look at verse 15. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. So now, you see that. Go back, to, go back to Mark 6, and I want you to see something. Look at verse 46, Mark 6, verse 46. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. So that's the same account. What's not mentioned in Mark was that Jesus knew that the people were going to make him king. They were going to anoint him as king over Israel. That's not what he wanted. He wanted them to receive him as their Messiah. And so what Jesus understood 
was that his disciples couldn't bear that temptation. If the people had said, let's make him king, the disciples would have said, yes, let's make him king. And Jesus knew they could not handle that temptation. So what does he do? He sends them out onto the sea. He sent them into a test that they could handle, but that test they could handle was actually removing them from a test they couldn't. So sometimes when you're going through something, do you know what God has done? He's actually saved you from something worse. I remember one time Andy Joins was on his way to uh, Tennessee, and he had a flat tire and wrecked his car. And so he called me, and I went down and helped him, and and, uh, here's the thought that I had. I wonder what the Lord protected him from that was farther down the road. You know? So a car accident is not a good thing, right? We, We don't... And yet, and yet, who knows what would have happened if he had continued down that road? It's just, I just believe that God protects us from so much, and yet when we're in the middle of something that's really bad, we, can't, we don't realize that He might be actually helping us. He might be actually helping us. So let's look at this text, and let's go through and see if we can figure out what's going on. Now, remember what Jesus has just done. Jesus has removed them from trouble before the temptation of making Him king. So let's look at this. They made five mistakes. The disciples made five mistakes in this problem. We're going to look at it all there in Mark chapter 6. The first mistake that they made, their first mistake, the way they made their bad situation worse, was by thinking that Jesus wasn't aware of their problems. They thought that Jesus was not aware of their problems. So look at verse um, 49. But when they saw Him walking by the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit. They didn't even know it was Jesus. They didn't know. They thought that they were in trouble. Um, They thought that Jesus was on shore somewhere doing His own thing and not concerned about them. Look at verse 47. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and He alone on the land. And He saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, He cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. I always liked that, and would have passed by them. So imagine, here are these guys. They think they're going to die in this shipwreck, okay, because the storm is so bad. And here comes Jesus. Just kind of wandering by their ship. Can you imagine that? Just, just picture that. Now, how many of you think it would be unusual to see somebody walking on the water? Or do you think that that would be unusual? So here comes Jesus walking by. They didn't have any idea that it was Jesus. And you know that we do the same thing. We're in the middle of trouble, and we think we're alone, and we don't realize that Jesus is right there with us. Here I am. Right here. You need something. I'm just, I'm right here. And yet we power through all on our own, thinking all the weight, all the pressure, all the trouble is on us. No one loves me. Well, yes, they do. Jesus loves you. Nobody cares about me. Yes, Jesus cares about you. And what he says is, look, I was there. I'm with you. You you are never going through anything alone if you're born again. Now, if you're not born again, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ alone for your eternal life, you might be going through it alone. But if you're saved, you're not. He's right there with you. We ask that question, where is God? We don't have to face it alone because He loves us. And I love this statement right here. 
He's never late. He's never early. He's always right on time. His timing is perfect. So they made their bad situation worse by thinking that Jesus wasn't aware of their problems. And if you're in something right now and you think that God doesn't know where you are, you're just wrong. He knows everything. I love that passage in the Bible. I was in a church preaching recently, and people, they're persuaded that, Jesus, that God doesn't know everything. Isn't that kind of weird? So what they believe is that God knows every possibility of everything that can happen, but He doesn't know which one you're going to choose. And so I had like 10 people ask me about it while I was preaching there. And I, so I had this, this lady, she said, does Jesus know everything? Well, I said, here's the, here's the best way. Number one, anytime you describe God, you diminish Him. Right? Because He's indescribable. We can't explain Him with human terms and human understanding. So the best thing that we need to do is just quote Scripture. If you want to talk about God, just quote the Bible. That's what I told her. And I said, and here's what the Bible says. Some, some scribes came and asked Jesus a question. And here's what the Bible says. And He, knowing all things, answered them. So do you know what I believe? He knows all things. Do you know why I believe He knows all things? Because the Bible says, and He, knowing all things. Isn't that deep theological stuff right there? And so, but we do the same thing. We're in the middle of a struggle and we say, where is God when He knows every intimate detail of your situation, including how it's going to end? He knows all of it. He's there with us. They made their bad situation worse by thinking that Jesus wasn't aware of their problems. Number two, the disciples made a bad situation worse by thinking that there were problems were worse than they really were. You know that 99% of the things I've worried about never happened? Maybe more than that. And you, you can agree with that. You go to the doctor and you've got a headache. Well, here's, here's what it is. It could be that you have a headache. But it might be a brain tumor. So we're going to give you some aspirin. If that works, <laughs> that's probably not a brain tumor. <laughs> it is. Have you ever been to the doctor? And you get now I'm doctors that are here, we love you guys, but you can drive us crazy. And so you come out of the doctor and you think you've got this long list of things that it might be. They're going to go and check it out. It might be a tumor. It, you know, the last doctor may have left a screwdriver in there. We're going to go and find out what it is, what's wrong with us. And almost every time it's not the worst case scenario. I love what Jesus said. I think it's Matthew 5. Let the evil of the day be sufficient. Right? We, our minds go on and on and on about every issue that might come up. And the Bible says, all you know right now is you've got a headache. I've got a stomachache. Oh, it's cancer. I got cancer. Now, if it is cancer, can God handle cancer? Right? E either He'll heal you or you get to go see Him. Right? Now, if you have the cancer, you, I'm just telling you, I want to see Jesus, but not today. All right? We're all there. Now, if the Lord returned right now, praise God, man, all the trouble's over, we're gone. If I could go see, see Jesus without dying, that would be awesome. Right? I, I, I'm, it's not, I'm, I'm afraid of death. I just don't, it's not that I'm afraid of death. I just don't want to be there when it happens. So you get cancer. Here's the worst thing that's going to happen. You get to see Jesus. And so what we do is we, we make our situation worse than we think it is. There's a guy, he fell off a cliff, and he's hanging there. It's pitch black. He caught a branch, and he's just hanging there. He's scared to death. Somehow he hangs on all night. 
the sun comes up and he's six inches off the ground. You see, he thought his problem was worse than it was. And all of us, we go through life and something comes up. Now, high schoolers, I've got to tell you, the drama, this thing that's huge in your life, 10 years from now, you won't even remember that it happened. That doesn't mean it's not important to you now. But one of the problems with youth is you don't have perspective yet. Now, that's not your fault. I'm not mocking you. There's no possible way for you to have perspective. I like to say I know a lot less about pastoring than I did 20 years ago. You know, I had all the answers. I knew exactly. I knew everything. Now I find out I didn't know. There's a whole lot I didn't know. What did I need? I needed more perspective that only age can give. But here's what I want you guys to get, that a lot of the trouble that you think you have right now, it's going to pass. It's just going to pass. You know, there are only a really few really cool kids in school. Right? The rest of you will become their employers. <laughs> it's awesome. You're going to work for me someday, dude. That's a, that's a, you dweebs, you know, when the jock comes messing with you. There, there's like two people from Shelby County that will play in the NFL. Right? Maybe? No. I don't know. They're pretty good this year. Yeah. So... What you guys need to understand is the trouble that you're going through right now, it, it will seem really big right now, but later on it's not going to be that big. That, that's God will give you the perspective that can only come from time. Now, us adults, how many of you would agree with what I just said? Seriously, you would agree with it. Okay, so now let's turn that around. What are you going through right now? What perspective do you need from God for what you're going through right now? Because there is only, there, there's perspective that only hindsight can give us. Well, we're going we're gonna to address that in a minute, but it's really important for us to understand that God knows what we are going through and that our problem is probably not as bad as we think it is. It's really important that we get that. The problem was so small that Jesus wasn't even going to stop. He made as if he was going to pass by. It just wasn't that big of a deal for Jesus. It's really important. Then we have an amazing proclivity for making mountains out of molehills. It is so true. Young people, I've told you at least a million times not to exaggerate. Get it? You get that, don't you? I didn't really say it's an exaggeration. Okay. <laughs> the message of Scripture to the Christian is this. God is your Father. You can trust Him to ensure the fact that nothing is going to happen to you that by His grace you can't handle. Isn't that good? Let me, let me read that again. The message of Scripture to the Christian is this. God is your Father. You can trust Him to ensure the fact that nothing is going to happen to you that by His grace you cannot handle. All right, number three. They made their problem worse when they confused the solution with the problem. This is really funny in the text. Look at verse 49. But when they saw Him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out. Look, here's what they thought. It's a ghost! That's what they thought. Here's Now, honestly, you're in the middle of a storm and some dude's walking on the water. You're going to wonder what it is, too. They thought it was a, he was a ghost. Anybody ever seen a ghost? Man, a friend of mine, he worked for a, a printing company when we were in college. A printer. And you remember the Xerox scribe guy? How many of you remember those commercials? The, yeah, you know, he was like a monk. Remember those commercials? Well, there was one of those, one, there was a cardboard cutout of that that he took home. 
And he'd gotten home late from work, and he just set it down by the, you know, outside the kitchen door. His dad got up in the middle of the night to get a drink and sees this dude standing there, and he hears his dad scream in this big crash. His dad tackled the cardboard cutout because he thought somebody was in the house. That's funny. I wish I could do that to somebody. I love that. It's great scaring people. Now, I know the, Pastor Nathan's told the young people, but I was taking him out to college out at West Coast, and he's sound asleep in the seat next to me. And there's, some, there, there's a semi uh, uh, hauling another semi, you know, and the, the one that's being hauled is backwards, backwards. What an opportunity. <laughs> so I got up real close behind it. I look over and I scream, Look out, it's a truck! <laughs> Priceless, man. He goes... He was trying to climb out the window of the car. I laughed for 30 miles. It, there is nothing better than scaring somebody. And I wonder if that's what Jesus was doing to the disciples. Because I'm just telling you, you're not used to seeing somebody walking up to your boat. He's walking by. Now, here's the deal. He was the... Nathan had hair before that. It, he, he was the solution to their problem, wasn't he? And they thought he was the problem. And so many times, God brings something into our lives to correct something, to take care of it. And we think it's the problem. They confuse the solution. One of the most important principles that a Christian can know is the principle of praise recognizing God's hand in every situation of life, and then giving Him the praise for it. You know, none of us like to have trouble. And yet, how many of you have ever been through something, and then for the rest of your life, you're able to use that to help other people? That's the way life works. And what God does is He prepares us to help other people by putting us through something that a lot of other people will go through. Do you know how we know a lot of other people will go through it? There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. I heard someone say that he believes that every time a Christian gets cancer, I'm sorry, every time a pagan gets cancer, a Christian gets cancer so the world can see the difference. How many of you think that we're supposed to handle trouble different than lost people? Right? But do we? I'll tell you, you know, we've been moving and remodeling. And you guys don't know this, but sometimes I'm short-tempered. And I have prayed and prayed and prayed that I can be nice when people mess stuff up. You know, contractors, painters, floor people, all of that stuff going through it. And see, this isn't much for you guys. I'll, I'll tell you what I have been saying to myself. What would Dan do? I'm going to get a bracelet. Where's Dan new? Might be in, right there. What would Dan do? Because... Dan responds so well when things are bad. That's a guy that I want next to me when things are bad. I'm the guy, you know, I'm the, the, the cartoon with the head popping off, you know. The, so I'm going to get a bracelet, WWDD. What would Dan do? And so that's what I've been trying to do. I, I want to respond properly when this happens. And you know what I found? It's worked. It has worked. 
Number one, I'm not as crazy as I could be. And number two, when I talk to people, they're actually responding. (laughs) And, you know, has everything gone perfectly? No. You know, are they done? No. And yet, I might get through this remodel with a Christian testimony. Wouldn't that be good? Now, listen, it's really important that we get this. We are supposed to interact in the world differently than the world does. Now, how many of you ever feel the weight of that? You know, that it, it is. It's, it's really pressure for that. I do. Because, listen, I want to represent Christ well. Don't you guys? I want to have a good testimony in the world. But, man, sometimes it's hard when the world's full of idiots. Right? And so, what's funny is, often I'm the idiot, right? Because I'm not acting right in the situation. And so what we have to do as Christians is we need to realize that God brings us through things and He's there with us constantly in the situation, just as He was with the disciples. And He had an answer for them. Jesus came and they thought He was a ghost. That is so funny. I know that when I get to heaven, I will find God's presence in many things that I never recognized here on earth. Let me read that again. I know that when I get to heaven, I will find God's presence in many things that I never recognized here on earth. Jesus, where were you when I needed you? And Jesus will say, do you remember? That was me. You thought it was a problem. I was right there with you. I know that's what's going to happen. Number four, they made their bad situation worse and failing to realize that Jesus would be willing and able to do something about any problem, including those they only thought were problems. Look at verse 51. And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. Now, here's the deal. All Jesus did was step into the boat, and the wind stopped. Was this a big problem for Jesus? It wasn't. Do you know that your problem is not a big problem for Jesus? It's just not. He is willing and able to care for you in your trouble. He's willing and able. That's the thing that we have to remember. How many of you believe that God can do anything? Seriously. But here's the problem. We don't think that He wants to. We know that He's able to do it for them, but we fail to recognize He's able to do it for me. He's able to do it for you. This is where our faith has to become really personal. And we have to trust God when we're going through these troubles. Man, I'm really glad that Jesus Christ controls the winds. One of the reasons our problems are of such great proportion is that we insist on keeping him out of the leaky boat. Can you imagine if the disciples said, no, you can't come on the boat. We got this. Jesus, you go and do what you want to. I got this. Now, we might not ever say that, but we kind of live that way, don't we? I got this, Lord. I got this. You got more important things to do. No, he's there for us. Go to him first, and he'll go to the problem. Go to him last, and the problems will eat you alive. Now, this right here, this, is, this whole sermon was to get to this point. All right? This is, I mentioned it earlier. But they made their bad situation worst, worst, by not allowing the past to inform the present. They made their bad situation worse by not allowing the past to inform the present. I didn't read this verse. All right? So, look at verse... 51, and he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, 
and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. Look at verse 52. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. Here's what had just happened. That, you ready? That day, he had just fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fishes. Now, if it had happened 20 years before, you could see it. But it's the same day, and the God that had used them to distribute all of this food to thousands and thousands of people, they thought that He had forgotten about them. And it's interesting. Why? Because they had hard hearts. You see, our problem is we allow our hearts to harden too when we forget about past victories. The same evening, the disciples can't believe He can deal with the storm. It's a classic example of a short memory. Okay, so keep your place in Mark and go with me to the book of Joshua. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. Look at Joshua chapter 4. And remember what has happened. God has given them victory. He's taken them into the promised land. They've just crossed the Jordan River. And what does He tell them to do? He tells them to take a bunch of rocks and set them up as a memorial. So look with me at verse 6. That this may be a sign among you, that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean you by these stones? What mean you by these stones? Then ye shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over Jordan. The, water, the waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. Do you know what we need to do when God delivers us? Now, let me just, seriously, let me ask you all a question. When you look back over your past, can you identify something where you know God helped you? Would you raise your hand if you can, if you can do that? Do you know what we need to do? We need to memorialize that. We need to, whether it's a journal or whatever, we need to memorialize that. Because when you're going through trouble, what you ought to be able to do is say, God's helped me before, He'll help me again. You see, the mistake the disciples made was they, they failed to consider the miracle of the loaves. God had just done something for them. Do you know what we do? We forget how God has delivered us and taken care of us in the past. I remember when I was a kid, when Dad was planting the church in Connecticut, Wallingford, Connecticut, that there were days, I remember a day when there was literally no food left in the house. Nothing. And you can see I've overcome that, right? I've won the battle against anorexia. I have. But there, there were days there was no food in the house. And so, you know, my older sister, my older brother and I, we all had paper routes. We were doing things. And we went to the store and bought groceries for the family. That next day, some other churches had heard about it. And they brought bags and bags of groceries for us because Dad would never ask for anything. Someone heard that we were struggling 
and it was, you wouldn't believe it. We're talking dozens of bags of groceries. And us kids were excited because there was sugar cereal, you know, sugar pops or whatever. We never got that kind of stuff. And, you know, so now I look back on that. And so it took me a long time to go into the ministry. I went back to Bible college when I was 30. And the reason was I didn't want to be poor. Just I'm being serious. I didn't, we, I didn't like living like that. Do you know what I did? I, for, I forgot about the way that God provided for us. I forgot. Can I tell you something? We never starved to death. We were fine. Always had a mom and dad that loved us and people. It's God provided for us. So now at 54 years old, I can look back on my life and I can say every time there's been a problem, God's provided. Every time. Have there been hard lessons learned in those 54 years? Sure. Most of them were my fault. But there's other things that God, I can look back and there's no doubt God brought this into my life. Why? Because I would need it as a pastor. I would need it as a father. I would need it as a husband. I would need it as a counselor. God does those things for us. If you'll build those memorials, here's what I can promise you. You'll always have the past to look forward to. Because when you go through trouble, and can I promise you something? You're going to have something bad's going to happen into your life. Why? Because we live in a fallen world. There's going to be bad stuff that happens in this world, but you always have the past to look forward to. Let me ask you again. Has God helped you in the past? If He has, raise your hand. Has God helped you? That is the promise. He will help you again. He will. So let's review. The disciples made their bad situation worse, first of all, by thinking that, their, that Jesus was not aware of their problems. Secondly, the disciples made a bad situation worse by thinking that their problems were much worse than they really were. They made their situation worse when they confused the solution with the problem. And they made their situation worse in failing to realize that Jesus would be willing and able to do something about any problem, including those they only thought were problems. Then lastly, they made their problems worse by not allowing the past to inform the present. Folks, we need to learn this stuff. We need to learn it because you are going to have hard situations in life. And God wants us to learn. The reason that these examples are in the Bible is because He wants us to learn from them. Let's learn them. Amen? Let's learn them. Did, did any of you ever fail? You don't have to raise your hand on this. Any of you ever fail a class? So in ninth grade, I failed algebra. I think it was ninth grade. Did they teach algebra in ninth grade? You know you're old when you can't remember what grade you were in, you know? I failed it. Man, the teacher had just gotten out of the Marine Corps, and he was tough. And I, you know, so they'd give you a given. X equals 23. Why? What, what do you mean? Well, it's a given. Okay. How do I know that that's a given? Because I told you it's a given. I don't understand. So because I missed that, I failed the whole class. The next year, I don't know if the guy got saved. I don't know what happened. He was nice the next year. And I passed algebra the next year. But I had to go through all of it. I always say, I did great at math until they started using letters. I had to take that class again because I failed it. And you know the really sad thing? 
I've never used it since. Anyway. All of us, all of us go through tests. And when we fail that test, there's a good chance we're going to have to take it again. Maybe we ought to just learn the lesson of the test and move on. How many of you know people that are stuck in life? They can't get past it. They can't get past it. Let's not be that person. Amen? Let's not make our bad situation worse. Let's all stand together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for always providing a way out.